hey, real quick, if you're a business owner that wants to stand out in the market and expand your custom base, I'd love to send you a copy of my free ebook. Visit our website at danielleclark.uk to get your copy now or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to Build Better Brands. I'm Danielle Clark and this show is here to provide insights, techniques and strategies to help you establish a better brand with confidence and clarity. We're on a mission to help as many people as possible start and build stronger brands so they can create happier, healthier lives for themselves and those around them. Welcome back to another episode of Build Better Brands, the podcast where we delve into the world of branding and business strategies. I'm your host, Danielle Clark, and today we have a very special guest joining us. She is known as She's the Boss um, and her strategic proneness and authority in business have made a significant impact on entrepreneurs and business owners across various industries. Um, So welcome to the show, Daniela Jenis. Hi, thank you for having me. So you've worked with from solopreneurs to multi-million pound companies um, and your expertise has added um, significant value uh, to helping to accelerate the growth of these businesses. Um, and that was why, okay, I was like, we've got to get her on the show because she knows how to build better brands, which is what the show is all about. Um, so it's safe to say that you've been pivotal in transforming businesses as well as the mindsets of entrepreneurs. Um, but how did you, how did this all start? How did be the boss, she's the boss, come about. So I pretty much started my first business out of university, like within 12 months of completing my undergrad degree in media and communications, and didn't know what I was doing, didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I spent a couple of years kind of trying to find my feet and work out exactly how I was supposed to build a business. And one of the kind of key things that I found was a lot of the business support that was available was typically being delivered by people that had never actually run businesses. So I came across a lot of people that had been to university and maybe had business degrees and even actually some people that had experience supporting businesses, but had never actually run their own business. And when I'm kind of was going to some of these people to to discuss some of the day to day challenges and and even challenges around mindset, etc., because they were quite textbook in their approach, I personally didn't find it that useful. So what I started to do is to go and find other business owners and try and get them to provide me with guidance. And whilst they were really good with kind of motivational stuff, they didn't necessarily have the textbook uh, approach. So they weren't able to give me the kind of frameworks and strategies. It was just, well, I did this and it worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. And I kind of began to get frustrated to say, well, actually, where does somebody like me go to get kind of those two things together? So the business grew uh, quite quickly and I kind of encountered a, a range of very diverse and significant challenges as well as lots of different successes. And then found that within what by the year seven, going into year eight, we started to face a period of decline. 
And by the end of the eighth year, I had been put in a position where I needed to sell the business. Now, as a consequence of that, I kind of spent a significant portion of time afterwards trying to work out exactly what I had done wrong, but also kind of acknowledging what I had done correctly and trying to get to kind of really understand what are the key success factors for a successful business, uh, but a business that can sustain its growth because I had, we had grown, but then it had plateaued and then it had kind of gone into decline. But how do you prevent that from happening? So I started my MBA and made that my kind of project to kind of find these key success factors, but also look at developing a business that would provide business owners like myself with that kind of multi-pronged approach. So the kind of textbook framework strategy side, but then also the mindset side and more of the coaching, but then also uh, more of the, um, the kind of lived experience. And that was how the business started. So it was initially started, um, we've had three iterations of the name actually. So it was Genius Enterprise Consultants to start with. Then we went to She's the Boss, but then I found that a lot of people kept thinking that that meant we only worked with women in business, which is not the case. She's the Boss was actually me, but I don't think people got it. Um, and then in the beginning of, I think it was the beginning of this year, 2023, we rebranded as Be the Boss. And yeah, that kind of was the aim. It was, okay, how do we help? other business owners not grow down the route that I went. So help them to achieve the growth, but to keep it. Amazing. What a journey. <laughs> yeah, it's, been a, it's been a busy couple of years. <laughs> I'll bet. Um, that's fantastic. I mean, you talked about having to sell your business, you know, some of the, the people that you, some of the clients that you work with, you know, having your own challenges and their challenges, um, but the, the fact that you looked at not just what you did well, but what you did wrong in order to really go, okay, what's, what can I do? What can I make sure I don't do next time? You know, looking at, looking at the failures and learning from them, but also looking at the successes. And I'm sure with all these businesses that you've worked with, that you've helped achieve significant growth, there must be one that really stands out, you know, a true success story. Could you share one with us today? I don't know if I'm allowed to do that because my clients always say I have favourites. <laughs> well, you know, one one that's memorable, one that comes to mind, one that you think, yeah, actually, that's that's a, a real success. Maybe, maybe at the start it didn't look like it was going to be successful. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple. I'm just going to do it okay. really quickly. So the one, my go-to that I always speak about is Neo, Neo Group, uh, which is run by the founder, Oyen uh, Adebayo. And when we first met, uh, Oyen had a very different business to what she has now. Um, she always had, one thing I will say with Oyen, she always had great vision and she always had big ideas. And I kind of worked with her to kind of refine them, to, to rework the direction she was taking the business in. And that business is soaring. It's now a group of companies. And Oyen is touring the world, doing speaking engagements here, there and everywhere. And she's really uh, a business powerhouse, which I always knew that she had it within her, to be honest. And I'm sure she knew. But when I met her, she obviously wasn't in that situation. It was just her running the business. Now she's got a team of like 25 or something, including international staff. She's worked, the business has worked with really like major organisations. So love what they've done. Uh, another business that I worked with, Link 3 Recruitment, which actually I started working with around the same time I started working with Neo. 
they were doing quite well actually they were already a six-figure business but they again i worked with them to kind of refine their processes their systems um help them identify growth strategies which included uh, kind of focusing on systemization and now they're a seven-figure business um so i'm i'm quite proud of that but the f- people like to hear the financial ones right because it sounds exciting but actually yeah <laughs> it, it always does sound exciting but but actually, some of my favorite success stories are those not even necessarily who have had major growth in terms of finances, but it's those that have had personal growth. So working with business owners that when they come to me, they're kind of very unsure of themselves, not necessarily have the, don't necessarily have the biggest confidence and then they get it. So one of my clients in Zynga that I was working with last year, she was saying she didn't like sales. And I remember kind of doing a, a bit of a sales process with her. I'm not a sales expert. I don't do sales training specifically, but I incorporate sales obviously within the, the services that I provide because it's necessary for all businesses, right? And I remember within, I think it was like two weeks of us having the session, so she, she secured a 10K uh, contract. And this is someone wow. that like days before had been saying, oh, I, don't, I don't like asking for the sale because they might not like it. Um, another client, Marisha, uh, we began working together and she was working for the NHS at the time and we kind of put a plan together of when she was going to leave the NHS and go full time with her business, which was supposed to be like six or six to 12 months after we started and she quit like two months later and she's been running her business successfully since, which has been about two years now. So it's not always about the financial successes, even though I know that's what people like to hear. Often it's about the change that is made to the the person themselves yeah and and you know that's I think that's really important that with any you know it's something that that I say to to clients when we're when we're developing a brand okay what is the what's the thing that you want beyond making money because money's important right but I feel like there's got to be there's got to be something else that's a little bit deeper than just the money and just the finances. And I think often if you're if you're focused on that, um, it can be it can be detrimental to you know to your personal growth, which I think, as you said, is is just as important. Really, um, we're not you know we're not in this. I don't think anyone becomes an entrepreneur or a business owner just to make money. There's often a story. There's often something that they want to change in their personal lives as well as that vision and that ambition. So it's amazing to hear about the personal growth that people are having as well. Um, and I'm sure there's many challenges that you you come across having worked with so many business owners and brands. Uh, what are the common challenges that you see that you've seen people face and um, what are the things that, that come up time and time again and how are you helping them to overcome those challenges? One of the, the kind of most uh, recurrent challenges is being overworked. So not having enough capacity to do the things that they want and need to be able to do. And this is where a focus kind of around the systems and processes comes in because actually if you can systemize the business, if you can automate, if you can delegate, if you can outsource, it gives you more time to be able to then focus on kind of some of the key, come uh, some of the key strategic forward-thinking uh, elements that you may want to and need to focus on within your business. But that's something that pretty much all of my clients have. I've got too much to do. There's not enough time. I don't have enough help. I'm tired. I'm burnt out. 
like, I know I need to do all of these things, but there's just not enough hours in the day. I don't have enough energy to do that. Um, so one of the kind of key things that I will work with many of my clients to do, as I said, is to, is to, uh, to kind of manage the efficiency of the business. Because a lot of the time, there's not enough time because you're trying to do everything. You're doing it manually when a lot of the things could be automated. And actually, if you just automate a couple of uh, tasks, you can get like an hour back a week. If you automate even more, you can get more hours back a week. If you then are able to outsource some of the things, you're able to get even more time back. So actually, I encourage that. But I also spend a lot of time encouraging people to sleep, which you people don't necessarily always kind of think that that's something that I would be kind of advocating for. But being able to manage your time effectively and maximise maybe the little time that you may have is really uh, dependent on how much energy you have. Because you can have all the time in the world, but if you're not energised and you're not thinking straight, something that might take you 20 minutes can take you three hours. Whereas if you just go to bed at night and stop faffing about, (laughs) you wake up and you'll find that that thing that should take 20 minutes, you've done it in five and now we've got more time to go and do something else. So that's one of the key areas that um, I find to be a recurrent challenge. Confidence, as I said, is another one. And when I say confidence, I don't necessarily mean like, I don't believe in myself, which is kind of a form of lack of confidence. But what I kind of more mean is it's kind of second guessing the business. So I've had so many conversations with so many different clients actually about this. Like they want to go for an opportunity, but what if they say no? And I've always called it big boss energy. So I'd say like, actually, whether they're going to say no or not, there's only there's only two outcomes. They're going to say yes or they're going to say no. If you don't even try, it's a no. So I spend a lot of time trying to kind of build this big boss energy concept with my clients that actually you should be going for big opportunities. You should be going for things that scare you. Even if you don't necessarily feel that you're 100% ready right now, do it anyway. Uh, So that's another kind of key area that I focus on. And then I would say um, one of the, the, the challenges that some of the businesses face is around that kind of whole... I think product market fit or service market fit, really identifying who is the right fit and if there is enough of a market for their products or service. And if there is, identifying the best routes to get them to buy from them. So I've got clients that have got fantastic services or products, but they're just not hitting the sales figures that they want to. and, And I think that they should which sometimes is because you're targeting the wrong people because you're targeting no people because it's the wrong product for that uh, target market because it's priced wrong. There's so many different factors and I spend a lot of time supporting my clients through determining what those factors could be and trying to overcome them. I think that's really important. Um, it's it's the same with um, often, you know, brand brand building in terms of, you know, people coming to me and asking for logos and brand identity and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, okay, have you, this is your business name, but why is it, why is it that name? And why is it relevant? Where's, where's that idea come from? Um, or people saying, oh, there's, there's, I want to do this, but there's loads of competition. And like you, you just said, Daniela, you know, competition's good. Competition's healthy. Um, but making sure that whatever it is you're doing, that there's a need for it um, is often something that people can miss. Um, a lot of the time we have these ideas, but they've not come from looking at the market, doing research, you know, speaking to a business coach like yourself and actually getting some uh, a real world view on whether that 
that thing, that idea is actually relevant and people, whether people are actually going to want it. I've been looking at your website, Love of Colours, by the way, and on your website, you are described as having strategic proneness and authority in business. Now, that tells me you've probably had to make some tough decisions, some tough strategic decisions in your time. What's been one of the toughest decisions that you've had to make? That's a very good question. Selling my business. That was a a very tough decision, not one that I came to lightly and um, one that caused deep anguish and emotional pain for quite some time, but it was necessary and it was essential at the time because I wasn't able to give it the time and the energy that was required to get it out of the situation that it was in. But it was very tough and it wasn't something that I actually wanted to do. It was a necessity as opposed to a, 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 a kind of happy decision okay. and and actually I always say to people like one of the I'm full of quotes I'm just like a walking cliche but I always say like <laughs> keep keep pushing don't give up blah 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 but also you need to know when it's time to change lanes and and flogging a dead horse is also not a, a good idea and <laughs> it had got to the point like I feel like could it have had a resurgence well yes because the person that bought it from me is still running it to this day eight years later so it, I, I don't, it definitely wasn't a business that was had to fail, clearly. However, I couldn't take it to the next step. And acknowledging that, identifying that, recognising that, and stepping away from it was probably the best decision I've ever made. Although for at least five years, I, I wouldn't have said it was. <laughs> it took me at wow. least five years to get over it. <laughs> Honestly, it took ages. Um, yeah. And also the, the owner, the, the person that bought it from me had been, had said to me that once he purchased it, he wanted to keep me involved, he would have me on the, the board and blah, blah, blah. And I've never heard from him again since. And I tried to contact him a few times, radio silence. So that really left a very bitter taste because I I thought that okay, I would sell it, but I would still be kind of involved in it. And it just completely cut me out. So that's been tough. Wow. That was very tough. Wow. I'm over it now, she says, yeah. even though she just told the story, so maybe I'm not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make me angry anymore, let's just put it that way. Okay. But there was okay. a lot of anger and upset for quite some time. So it was, a, it was a very tough decision. But my personal circumstances at the time, I was about to have a baby, my first daughter, my first child. Oh. Um, there was no way that I was going to be able to, like I'd have had to be in the office all the time and, and all that stuff. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to to be at home with my, my baby, which I say that, but she was born in July. I saw the business in the August and then I started my MBA in September. So I wasn't actually <laughs> just sitting at home, but anyway, but yeah, I didn't have the energy for mm, both. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, thank you for being so transparent and on, and honest about that. Um, often we see, we see the good stuff you know, especially on social media and and when you hear people speaking and you think about their success, it's, you don't see a lot of people sharing the tough decisions, the difficult times, the things that they had to do, the sacrifices they've had to make. But I think it's really good that you're so honest about that. And, And clearly, like, sometimes we can hold on to things because there's this fear of loss. Um, and 
clearly you built a business that has been successful and has continued to be successful, but it's in someone else's hands. But um, I think also it's not just f- fear of loss, it's fear of failure. Mm. Because actually I've sold the business, which on the, the surface sounds like, ooh, she sold a business. It's, it's not as exciting as it sounds. Like I wasn't like a, I was brought out for 2.5 million. It wasn't anything like that at all. Um, but I think one of the, the kind of big upsets for me at the time was, oh my gosh, I failed. This business was supposed to be this international thing and I was supposed to be doing all these things. It's, it's a failure. But actually, and, and this is why I think sometimes people will continue with something beyond when they should and they don't know when to, to stop because they're scared of, well, if this doesn't work, then I'm a failure. And in terms of the upset in the initial aftermath of selling it, I think that's kind of what it was. Because I was just like, well, I failed. Now what? Does that mean I can't do a business anymore? Obviously, I, I have done. But at the, in the initial early stages, I was just like, so who am I? Like, who actually am I now? Because everything was, in terms of from a brand perspective, personal brand, my whole personal brand and being was wrapped up in being the founder and the CEO or whatever of that business. So without it, I was kind of like, I, f- I failed. And I've, I've encountered quite a few business owners who have, um, who's maybe they've not even sold their business, they've closed their business and, and they closed it way after when they probably should have, again, because they were scared of this failure. But actually, one of the things that I know for a fact, and I say this very confidently with my whole entire chest, one of the things that makes me very good at what I do is because of that failure. Because I was, because of the failure, I then went and learnt and there was obviously certain things that I already knew from being in the business. I also had a master's in enterprise, so I wasn't completely unaware. But I've really deepened my knowledge of business and understanding, as I said, those key success factors, which means not only am I able to kind of steer you in the right direction, but when I see you making some of the same mistakes that I've made or even some of my other clients have made, and I'm able to project and say, well, this is where this is likely to lead. So the failure has actually been my greatest advantage and I've had so many clients that have begun working with me merely because of the fact that they know I had a business, I sold a business and I openly talk about the, the areas that I went wrong. Had I not experienced that, there's many people that wouldn't have worked with me. Wow, fantastic. And it just goes to show the importance of, of failing. Like it's important to fail because if you if you're not failing, you're not growing, you're not trying, you're not progressing, you've got to... You've got to try these things, make these decisions in order to progress and move forward. It's never plain sailing, is it? But also, I think you need to feel the pain sometimes. <laughs> I think you really, no, honestly, I think you need to feel the pain of failure because the pain of that failure means that I cannot fail in this business because I don't want to yeah. experience that again. So certain things that I know that I did wrong, for example, not um, not being committed enough to, to, con- to, to doing sales consistently. So I know in this business, I can't afford to not do sales because when you didn't do it before, look what happened. Um, mm. Having the business to be reliant on me. I can't afford for my business to be reliant on me because when I did that before, look what happened. So I think sometimes the pain of failure, and I do believe this idea of fail forward and learn from your failures, etc. but sometimes the pain is the motivator to ensure that you don't end up in that position again. So I think sometimes yeah. it's good for you to feel that pain because otherwise you just moseying along and oh, everything's great and then when it comes you're like what's going on um yeah whereas the fear of it ha- happening again 
has been a, a, an incredible motivator. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I just, this is like completely off topic and <laughs> a bit random. But I remember when I whacked my head on the kitchen cupboard. (laughs) The kitchen cupboard was open and I stood up and full blown whacked my head. And when I say it hurt, I thought I was going to pass out. But I have never, ever, (laughs) ever done that again. because now you check because you the pain. (laughs) You remember that pain. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that pain. I do. Um, Amazing. Um, So... In your experience then, um, obviously you've, you know, we've just talked about you had a business, you've sold a business, you started another business, which is, I mean, tell us, how's it going? It's going well. It's not going as well as I would like to, but that's because I'm impatient and I think I should be a multimillionaire <laughs> by now. Um, <laughs> but I know my flaws and patience is, or lack of patience is one of them. Um, but yeah, no, it's going in the direction that I want it to. Yeah. Um recently taken on some new staff so that's exciting and they're kind of ex- exceeding all expectations so that's very exciting for me personally i am um, i i kind of the 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 business growth strategy that i kind of i've been employing is to prove that the models work first so there has been a period of time where the business has been quite reliant on me but there's a there was a reason for it it wasn't it was intentional and it was never going to be forever i think i've more than proven the model now by uh, for all the success stories that we've had. So now we're moving towards uh, more digital products. We've got an online uh, learning management platform that's launching in the next few days, actually. Uh, and then next year, there's going to be a new phase of other stuff that I'm working on. And yeah, it's all kind of going in the direction that I hoped it would, just I'm not a multimillionaire yet. <laughs> Maybe in the next two years manifest it and it will happen I'm a big believer in manifestation I was talking to someone recently about um being on the news one of my mentors was talking about like leveraging the media we got a podcast at the time we're recording this a podcast will be out soon it's with a guy called Matt Fides um anyway and I was talking literally talking about it on the Friday and then on the Saturday, I went to the cricket, went to the women's ashes and ended up on the news. <laughs> I ended up on BBC Sport because it was my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I was just like, what? <laughs> so this whole manifesting thing, I'm there for it. I'm there for it. Um, so it sounds like your business is is growing, but sustainably. And there must be some key factors that contribute towards a brand's growth. The key word there being sustainable. So we know many small businesses in the first kind of year, year to five years often don't succeed. I think it's 50% of the businesses that are around today, small businesses that exist, won't be here in five years time. Um, So how do you... How do you incorporate these factors into your strategies to help businesses grow, but sustainably, you know, for the long term? So you spoke about manifestation and I don't necessarily use the term manifestation. I kind of speak more about intentionality. And I think Mm -hmm. intentionality is key because actually a lot of the time, one of the things that I find is small business owners 
start a business and then they get pulled in loads of different directions because actually really the focus becomes I just need to make money I just need to make money I just need to make money so I'll do anything and not anything obviously within reason but I'll do loads of different things to make money and kind of lose what the central mission or purpose of the business was so within the framework that I use which is called VISA we start with vision and being very intentional in where are we trying to take the business in this specific time period because actually, once you get clear on that, you can then become intentional with what you do do and what you don't do, rather than kind of being blown in different directions by whatever wind takes your fancy. And and I find, and it's true, like I was speaking to somebody the other day and, and one of my clients and she'd taken on, new client, she had taken on a um, an opportunity for her business that wasn't ever really in her original plan. And it was with some partners and what she'd found is that the partners had slowly um, kind of kept saying, oh, let's do it this way. Let's do this this way. We don't want to do that. Why don't you do this? Let's do it this way. And she was looking at her business and saying, actually, I'm doing something that I actually never wanted to do. This doesn't have anything to do with really what the central original mission of the business was. But because it happened slowly over time, it hadn't been like this big come in and everything's going to be overhauled. It had been slowly changed and eroded until the business was no longer recognizable. Now, when you have a clear vision and you know exactly what you're trying to achieve, it's much more difficult for things like that to happen because you've now got a central place where you can go and sense check things. Like, does this, so you say, let's do this. Does this align with that? Well, no, it doesn't. So I'm not doing it. <laughs> but if there's no, if, do you know what I mean? If there's no, no, no intentionality, it's just like, oh, okay, I'll do that. Okay. Okay, and before you know it, you're doing something completely different. So I always say start there. And I find that when people do start there, not only does it stop you from kind of going off track, it really can accelerate the speed at which you get there because now I know exactly what I do need to do. So stuff that you probably hadn't considered, now I know I need to do that because the only way I'm going to get here is if I do these 10 things. So I need to do these 10 things. And that intentionality can be really useful, but also... It prevents one of the other challenges. So we talk a lot about small businesses kind of going out of business because maybe they, they couldn't reach enough sales, they had cash flow issues. What we don't always talk about or is not as often talked about, and particularly when we're thinking about growth, sustainable growth, is when you grow too quickly. And then it all gets kind of a bit on top because you can't cope because you, you're inundated. It's a problem that I think is a great problem to have personally but um, if you're not not able to manage it that can also lead to the demise of your business and again when you have intentionality you're able to then have something to compare to so you can start looking at and again this is something I do with my clients a lot you can start looking at okay what are the sales targets and for these sales targets what is the capacity that the business needs how many extra staff do we need what's the where's the finance for that going to come from and you're able to see in advance. So I had a client a couple of years ago, actually, and he, t- I'm going to be, I'm not going to lie, like it wasn't even me. He did came up with this himself, but he had basically done resource allocation for every stage of growth. So he'd looked at like the next two years, how much sales that they wanted to make within each quarter, and then how much staff and resource would they need for, to achieve those sales. And because he did that, he was able to recognize that in, it was like six to eight months or something, they'd need a specific number of extra staff to help get them to the 10 to 12 month sales, but they wouldn't have enough uh, finance in the business to employ these people. 
So he was able to see in advance and then say, okay, well, I can go and get a loan then. And I can show them how I'm going to make the money back. In the end, he didn't even need to get the loan because the sales exceeded what he had anticipated, but he was able to recruit at the right time because he started to see the numbers go up. Now, again, it's intentionality. He was intentional in planning that. Whereas a lot of small business owners, it just, they go with the, go with the motions. So then when all these, all the sales come in, oh my gosh, now I need staff to help me. And now it's going to take me a month to hire staff. But by that time, I've already let down half of my clients or customers by not delivering. And now I don't have a business. So I sell that to say vision and intentionality is the key. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. When people come, when people start working with you, you know, we talked about finances and people seeing the numbers and going, right, yeah, I'm ready to hit those six figures. I'm ready to hit those seven figures and being really excited. Um, do you kind of bring them back down to earth? <laughs> because you said the first thing that you focus on is vision. Is that the thing you focus on that you make them focus on before anything else yes pretty much with everything that we do unless somebody does like a so i have half day sessions so like i have something called build my strategy which is a half day strategy session i also have build my business which is focused on systems and processes but even with those i also ask we don't do a full vision process so i call it vision 20 we won't do a full vision 20 process but we will still discuss vision because again how do we work out the systems and processes your business needs if we don't know where you're trying to take the business? Like if we're clear on the vision, then we can be clear on the key uh, systems and processes that are going to be required to achieve that vision. How do we create a strategy if we don't know where we're going? What's the strategy for? So we won't do a full vision 20 session, but you're going to have to explain to me what your vision is for us to proceed. But then with, yeah, with my monthly packages, my six and 12 month packages, we all start, everything starts with a vision 20 session, which is a half day where we really deep dive into what that vision is, how we're going to achieve it, what the goals are, what the action plans are in order to achieve the goals, um, which is one of my favourite things to do. Actually, I did one yesterday and it always makes me really happy, particularly because it, it always makes my clients really happy. Like yeah. Vision 20 is the one um, the one service that I offer that has reduced, it's not happened for a while though, but it's reduced clients to tears. Like, I've had, like honestly big men as well not just women like yeah. in tears because actually what it does is it really focuses their mind on what can be and obviously I'm not a fortune teller so I'm not telling you it's a fact that's what it's going to be because I haven't been there I don't know and you've got to make it happen but it really opens their mind up to the possibilities and people and I have this quite a lot um which I personally find slightly annoying but whatever Oh, sale. Do you do you have vision? So we've got like a pre questionnaire, and do you have a clear vision? And most of the time they'll say yes. And I do vision workshops as well. And at the beginning of the workshop, I'll ask, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as I start to ask the questions, there's no answer. So clearly you didn't. You just thought you did. Like <laughs> saying that in five years I want to be running a seven figure business. That's not vision. That's hopes and dreams. There's no clarity on there. There's no intentionality. It's just I hope that's what's going to happen. Like, where is the clarity? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Who is working for you? Where is the business based? What services are you... Like, there, is, there needs to be intentionality. And so it's not that I necessarily even bring them back down to earth. I think it's actually the opposite a lot of the time. It's actually I open up their minds to the possibilities of what could be. And that can be very, very exciting. It can also, however, though, then after they leave, 
then that can be where the, the drop happens. Like, oh my gosh, there's all this exciting stuff, but oh, I don't think I'm ever going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a lot of up and down, because then when we have our monthly sessions, I will then have to kind of convince them that actually you can do this. You just need to do X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. And it's happened. I've had so many clients, um, like it actually got support, it got a bit scary, because I, I would do these sessions with people. And again, it goes back to this idea of manifestation. And I do believe when you put things out, into the atmosphere the doors open so i would say if you like are clear on where the doors are they'll start opening um it's just like that mm. thing you know when you just I, this has happened so many times you decide that you like a car and then everywhere you go you keep seeing this car the car was yeah. always there but because your mind wasn't attuned to it you yeah. didn't see it but now it is no. you see it everywhere and it's the same principle so i've done vision 20 sessions with so many clients and within like sometimes even with days something that we've kind of discussed within that or planned out in that vision, there's some form of opportunity or situation that will arise. Kind of like what you said with your meeting that then makes them say, mm, well, how did that happen? I only just said it a week ago. Um, so it was funny. Yesterday I did the Vision 20 session, but the client I did the Vision 20 session with, when we did our sales call before the Vision 20 session, I had mentioned that I think she should um, look at creating a training academy through apprenticeships. And she said she came off the phone to me and within 24 hours, someone from an apprenticeship providing company or whatever contacted her to find out if she wanted to sign up apprentices. So yesterday, after our Vision 20 session, she had scheduled the call with this apprentice company. Five minutes before I had that Vision 20 call, the client that I'd done a Build My Strategy session the day before, I had told her that she'd got, she had two digital products and she said she'd not made any sales for quite some time and I'd was very specific and said tell me about both of them she told me I said it's not that one focus on this one and these are the types of businesses that you should be focusing on because that's where I think you should have a niche she called me five minutes before my vision 20 session to say you'll never believe it the digital product that you told me to start selling to this specific type of people I've just had a sale the first sale that I've had and it's from that specific target group that you said (laughs) why and that happens a lot. So, yeah, one of my other clients used to call me the, the what she said, I've, I've got prophetic powers. Because, yeah, I would say stuff to her and literally within a couple of days, it, it would happen. Wow. That's incredible. Fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. We, um, we recently met, didn't we, in person for, for the first time, um, at the Birmingham Black Business Show. And I was lucky enough to get to see your opening keynote. Thank you. Many um, people missed it because they didn't get out of bed on time. So. I got I got up, I got there. I made sure, I was like, I need to see. Having followed you on social media and, and you know, we've had the odd, the odd conversation. Um, I was like, no, I need, I need to see. I need to see Daniela. And I'm glad I did. It was very inspiring and, and impactful. I love that you got everyone to stand up. That was totally impromptu, by the way. It was so funny because my husband was like, oh, you're going to do that big, big tech. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't think it's appropriate. And then in the moment, I was like, everybody on your feet. <laughs> he was cracking up. He was like, I knew you were going to do it. You can't help yourself. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And it was so, that day was so good to hear so many other inspiring leaders and and founders talk um 
And the key topic of conversation that day was centered around the importance of diversity and inclusion in the business world. Um, I'd love to hear your your take on that and why you think that diversity and inclusion is so important in business. Um, I think that's a, that's a very big question. I know. Um, I think as a woman, a black woman, my views are very different to most people. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of shared a bit of that at the, the Black Business Show. I think often as black people particularly, we want to be in spaces that we're not necessarily always welcome. And I don't necessarily believe that we should try to be in those spaces. I believe that we should have our own spaces and be comfortable in our own environments. That's why I love the Black Business Show, because it's by us, for us. I I speak a lot about the fact that I don't really particularly love networking, but I always find that when I'm in at the Black Business Show, I love networking, I speak to everybody. So there's clearly something there. And there's something about being in places that... And I believe in pushing your boundaries and being uncomfortable to reach the blah, 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 you know how it all goes. But I also believe that actually you need to find your tribe and find your community. Now, I don't think that business has a diversity issue. There's lots of people of all different ethnicities, gender, whatever, in business. I think what we often talk about, though, is kind of the lack of diversity within the kind of mainstream spaces so like what are the banks doing what are the universities doing blah 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 and I think particularly since 2020 there's been this big thing of let's support black business so everyone and their dog is jumping on this whole black business thing but actually how um what's the word how authentic is it number one mm-hmm. and how I don't know how to say this one of the things so I was involved a little bit with um well I, I was a, did a keynote for one of their report launches Creme Centre for Research into Ethnic Minority Entrepreneurship. And they did a report, Time to Change. And within the Time to Change report, one of the things that they uh, identified was that ethnic minority business businesses need to have uh, relatable role models and support from people that they can relate to. So when these kind of big corporates are jumping on and saying, oh, we want to support black business, but actually it's not being delivered by people that look like the businesses that they're trying to service... Is it doing a disservice? Because actually, there's so many black business owners, for example, that I know feel quite intimidated in certain spaces who have specific challenges based on culture, uh, etc. Now, if they're speaking to somebody that's not from their community that doesn't understand that, how do they, how do they advise them? How do they relate to that? So whilst I think it can be helpful in some respects, I think it has to be from a place of authenticity. I recall, um, I think it was last, maybe, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, someone from a business growth program asked for a meeting with myself and uh, a colleague of mine. It was really funny, but it wasn't funny at all. So (laughs) I had actually been doing an interview with Professor Mondoram, who is the director for the Centre of Research uh, for CREM. And we were talking about uh, I think maybe the report, but also just talking generally about supporting ethnic minority businesses. And this person was on this call and asked if he could have a word with me and this other lady afterwards. So we were on the call and he's saying basically they've got 
this they need they've got these programs for black businesses and they want to know how to get more black businesses on the program because they've really struggled to get engagement so i said well how much is the consultancy fee because are you here to pick my brains or are you here to pay me as a consultant because i can get you the black businesses because i'm black so they will come to me yeah and you know this man laughed and he was like <laughs> i kind of just wanted to pick your brains i said well i don't you I don't do that. You pay me by the hour or you don't get nothing out of this brain. So have a good yeah. day. And it's that kind of thing. Like you're saying you want to support mm-hmm. black business, but you're out here trying to exploit black businesses. So I just, I feel, I feel that I don't like to see, and again, this can be seen as quite controversial, but I hate to see like black business owners like, let us in. Why aren't they letting us in? No. Why do you want to be in? Like, don't want to be in there like let's do our own thing and I think sometimes what can happen is that we place so much emphasis on the kind of the big names and the mainstream names that we then forsake our own businesses and our own groups and this also is a th- I think obviously we well, I'm, we're in the Midlands right mm. I think this is also a Midlands versus London thing as well um I think we we place emphasis on the others and the others being better when actually in your own local vicinity, you can probably get the same, if not better. But because we just are so needing to be recognised and acknowledged sometimes, and um, this is sweeping generalisation, yeah. but we, yeah, we forsake those around us. And this is, this is something that I have definitely felt um I don't want to say a victim of because that sounds bad, but yeah, like I know that if you put me next to um, someone that does something similar in London, nine times out of 10, the people in the Midlands will go to the London person because they're from London. Even if we've got the exact same credentials, even if I've got better success rate, because they're an other, they get priority. And the same kind of thing applies. I know that there's um, there was a, a black business show in Birmingham that wasn't organised by people from London that didn't get the same level of turnout as the one from London. Why is that? It's because it's from London. So, I, I yeah, I sell that to say, I, I think that it's there's several different factors and I just think that sometimes we need to be a little bit more careful of where we place priority. And also we need to be more confident in what we're doing. So, um, I, I, think, I think it was a written interview. Somebody asked me to do a written interview the other day and they were asking about how has being a black woman impacted me in business negatively and they really wanted to create this whole piece around all the challenges that I faced as a black woman and I was like if I'm honest there hasn't really been that many now that's not and I hate to hear when you know when you see people and they're like oh I don't I've never experienced racism like shut up (laughs) of course you have you just didn't acknowledge that it had occurred to you like it had happened to you you're just living in denial so I'm not that person like I recognize it however I am so confident in myself and what I do that I, I just, it doesn't cross my mind until it has to, if that makes sense. So I don't walk into spaces saying, oh my gosh, I'm the only black person. They're not going to take me seriously. I walk into spaces saying, I am fantastic at what I do. If these people don't appreciate what I'm doing, it must be because they're racist, because there's no other reason it could be. Do you see <laughs> what I mean? Like that has to be it, because it couldn't be anything else, because I'm fantastic mm. at what I do. So hello. Mm. Um and yeah, I bring in that big boss energy, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and that's what it is. So I'm not saying that I haven't experienced racism. No, of course I have. Like, again, if you haven't, then you just clearly 
you don't know that you're black and that's my kind of philosophy at this point um <laughs> i have but i don't let it hinder me i think that's the di- not only do i not let it hinder me i don't this is gonna sound ridiculous but i don't wear it on my person so like i know i'm black yeah. i'm very proud to be black but i don't walk into spaces feeling like being black is an, a, a disadvantage actually i walk in saying it's an advantage yeah i love that i love that and i know it was a big question i asked um but I felt like I had to ask it. Um, and and it was the first time I'd been to an event like that. And th- there was a particular point that made me think, gosh, it feels really good to be here. There was a guy that turned up with a speaker. Oh, I saw him. Playing. <laughs> it was walking through with the speaker. <laughs> and he was playing some tunes. I mean, it was there was music all over the place. Yeah, there was some like, guy that was tap dancing. Yeah. <laughs> There was all sorts going on. But you know what? I looked at I looked at this other woman and she was like, I was like, I love this. She was like, you couldn't do that anywhere else. That's the <laughs> thing, but why him? would we need to? And this is the thing what stresses me out sometimes. Like, why do we have to be in a box? Why does it have to be the same as how everybody else does it? Mm. Okay, when we're in those spaces, like I wouldn't, yeah, like I'm not going to go into a NatWest Bank function with a boom box. <laughs> Fine, fair enough. <laughs> But we're not in an at West Bank function. This is for mm-hmm. us, by us. So actually, we like music. That's, again, sweeping generalisation, but I don't really know any black person that doesn't enjoy music, to be honest. Yeah. We like to dance. Yeah. We like entertainment. We like food. There's certain things that are very culturally specific to us. Mm-hmm. And why do we always have to try and change to, to appear more mainstream? We're like, Yeah. But I loved it. I loved it. And it just, I felt so comfortable I was loving the tunes. I love that he was there. I love that he brought his boombox on wheels. And he I just was so made confused me smile. when he passed. I was like, where is that noise coming from? I saw it was grinning. I said, yes, sir. Yeah. You do you. <laughs> exactly. You do you. And I think that's so important. Um, now, it sounds like you got some big plans for big. Okay. I keep going to say she's the boss, but it's not. It's big she's boss now. Be the boss. Be the boss. So I'm sorry. still she's the, the boss. boss. So Daniela is still she's the boss. Okay. But the business okay. is be the boss international. Be the boss. Yes. Okay. So that should give you an indication of what some of the plans are. Be the boss yes. international. Yes. You're going international. <laughs> well, I've had a few um, international clients already, but we're trying to ramp that up significantly. Okay. Now, are they are there any trends or upcoming challenges that you you think that you foresee in the business in the business landscape is there anything us business owners that are listening need to look out for um are you preparing clients so they can navigate obviously the cost of living crisis is having a, a detrimental impact on many businesses so i think that the need and the requirement to be able to pivot to look at multiple revenue streams at this point is really quite important um because yeah pretty much all of my clients have I've noticed a bit of a drop in sales, in revenue, etc. So that's something to obviously keep in mind. AI is obviously a, another huge thing that it's just like a huge beast. I don't even know how how it's supposed to be navigated. Do you? I think I'm taking the approach of approach with caution. Don't ignore it, but don't make it your whole everything unless you're in that space. Uh, but I think it's, yeah, it's really important to have that on your, your radar. So I'd say they're the main two things at the moment, just trying to get through the, the financial situation and trying to make sure that the robots don't take over the world. 
<laughs> you know. Yeah. Don't we don't want um Terminator comes to mind. I'm the Matrix. And the the two. It's so funny. Me and my husband was talking about it the other day because there's two movies that he loves and I refuse to watch them. And he's always like, "But why?" And then the more, the more we've seen the AI stuff, I said to him the other day, "You see why I didn't like these things? Because you can see it's happening." And he was like, "All right, calm down." I'm like, "But it's true." They're two of my favorite films, The Matrix especially. I find them terrifying, but it terrifies me because I can see that it's a possibility, and that's what scares me. Yeah, it is. It is. Let's not worry about that. Let's not worry. It's outside of what we can control. Right? right, yeah, that's true. Um, so um, before we wrap up, I'd love to know, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that I haven't asked you? Oh, no, I think you've been great. You've covered everything. Okay, awesome. So um, for everyone listening... Uh, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? So you can visit the website, be the boss, imtl.com. I also have uh, two Instagrams. So I have the main Instagram, which is at be the boss, imtl. And then I have my business personal brand uh, page, which is um, at she's the boss UK. I spend a lot of time on Instagram, so you probably find me there. I'm also on LinkedIn at Daniela Genus, and you can follow the business LinkedIn page, Be The Boss International. So they're the main places that you can find me, get in touch with me. Amazing. Thank you for being on the show, Daniela. It's been awesome speaking to you today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Build Better Brands. I am so grateful to have you tuning into the show and I'd love to thank you personally. So wherever you are in the world, remember to tag at Danielle Clark Creative in your social media posts and stories. Let us know when you're listening. You want to know what you've enjoyed about the show and give you a shout out. And if you would like to help more people like you discover the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us rank higher and reach more listeners. It's also a great way for us to help you with the problems your brand might be facing. Suggest a topic in your review and we might feature it and you in one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.